最酷的秀。Howdy, folks! It's "We'll See You in Hell," your podcast for movie stuff. You know how we do it over here. It's a horror thing. It's a sci-fi thing. It's a fantasy thing. It's a comedy thing. It's a drama thing. It's an action thing. It's a movie thing. My name is Joe DeRosa. To my left, it's a movie thing. Uh, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> seen, seen those memes? That should be our. Uh, our new slogan to ensure that no one ever watches the show. It, what are those new memes? Uh, it's a move. We'll put in two us, one before. Uh, it's a movie thing. Uh, you wouldn't understand. The latest horrid uh, appropriation of black culture. Because that's what that started as. That's a phrase from like the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, it's, like a it's a black, black thing, thing you wouldn't understand. Just the latest thing that middle-aged <laughs> white women have fucking hijacked so they could use it as a slogan for an hour on QVC. Right. Even though they would never actually speak to a black person. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, don't get me started today, Walsh. I'm in a mood. I didn't. You started talking and now we're all unsettled. I'm in a mood. Uh, uh, I too am in a mood. I have one week left to work. That makes me feel very good. I woke up not panicking for the first time in a long time and that felt great uh it is a sunday it's me and joe on the couch listening to i guess an aspiring dj spin beats that i would i would call not that sick downstairs neighbor nice guy real nice guy but man he be clubbing down there it's it's just constant dude it's just constant EDM going and not not particularly good you know that you have to really dig to find worthwhile EDM but we are on the way other end of the spectrum I mean I we all I can hear is the bass thump yeah that's all I can so who knows it could be he could be the next DJ mouse head yeah it feels like you know the opening scene of a lot of those like 90s drug movies like spun is probably going on in there. You remember that movie? With it does, yeah. Like there's probably like a guy like walking around in really loose briefs. It does feel <laughs> like, yeah. If he's you know, not, like rail thin. If he's not composing music, he is in a bad way with some kind of substance down there's there. There's a real substance abuse <laughs> issue, yeah. Uh, and, you know, look, on the one hand, I go, uh, I get annoyed hearing this coming through the floor. On the other hand, I go, Hey man, we live in a building that was built in the twenties. He's probably not even playing it that loudly. Yeah, it's just right. coming through. And then I go, you know what, man? This gives you this gives you carte blanche. You can play anything as loud as you want whenever you feel like. You it. can crank the Fraser, Joe. You know, but that's the problem. If I'm listening to music, I can't hear it. If I'm watching TV, you hear it. Because what do you listen? Right. What do you watch on TV that is a constant bass? He'll be down in his apartment going. and he'll be like. And I don't know what to do with those tosses. It's Yeah. He's trying to filter it, like, through the floor. And he's freaking out every fucking day with this goddamn <laughs> Frasier shit. What, either that guy is writing for Frasier or he's got a real drug problem. <laughs> uh, I've been watching a little bit of, of some crane shots lately and, and enjoying it very much. There was a weird period of time where they would bring in, like, very scantily clad strippers on Frasier. Yeah. I saw like four in a row where there was just like a nearly naked woman, like way beyond what could ever air now. Uh, and I maybe it was to remind people that Frasier and Niles were straight. I don't know, but uh, I, I found it pretty jarring. The uh, There's a lot of... I'm a real prude. A lot of sex talk on the show. Uh, eventually, it gets to a point where... Uh, it the sex does become mildly disturbing. Yeah, uh, it does get to a point where you're like, Fraser might be some sort of sex addict. Yeah, Roz, <laughs> I think might have been molested as a child. Roz, and well, she's I, looking to plug that hole. So, no pun intended. Uh, but it, it it gets dark with the characters. You're like the people <laughs> shouldn't be having this much sex. I don't think. I always felt that with uh, when I was writing for Two Broke Girls, I'd be like, so. 
How many times has the Cat Dennings character been sexually assaulted? <laughs> how many times? Can we just settle on a number? And how many times did her mom throw her down a flight of stairs? Oh, boy. You know, like, yeah. we're, this is a comedy. Uh, it was a, you know. It was? Folks. <laughs> oh, folks. Uh, anywho, uh, we're here this week to kind of really just, it's the first one in a long time to not focus on a specific movie or show. We're going to just be talking about the events of the day. The Oscars were last week. I guess Joe watched them even after vowing he wouldn't. I watched clips of things and I read everything. I didn't okay. really watch it. But well, I, that's, you know. a, that's a typical uh, 2019 American willing to do a full discussion of something they've watched a few clips from. I will. We want to. I wanted to do a recap I, because I want to talk about the controversies surrounding it. I want to talk about Spike Lee. I love stomping Spike Lee. out. Well, now, wait, uh, I, I heard about Spike Lee stomping out, but that well, that wasn't on the show itself, was it? Apparently it was. I, but let's I don't wait. recall seeing that. Let's wait. Let's wait to get to it. We got a couple segments to go through. We do. First off, before we get to those segments, I guess I'd love to, uh, if I may, just get on with the show. And at the same time, on with the show knows baseball. Joe knows football. J- Remember those? Bo Jackson? Yeah, Bo knows. Did they do... They did a bunch of those, right? They did a bunch of those both. Because he played two sports, baseball and uh, football. Yeah. I uh, don't remember enjoying that campaign because it was just another reminder that I was faking an interest in sports to hang out with my friends. Was Spike Lee? No, that wasn't it. Spike Lee did the Nike ones with Jordan. That's right. Yes. You know, there's a pretty serious rumor that's gone on for years that Michael Jordan got his father killed due to his gambling debts uh, i've heard that rumor i i don't believe Isn't that it. a fascinating rumor it's fascinating i don't i don't think it has holds much water but yeah well, i mean i think we would have heard about let's put it this way had it gotten to that point with michael jordan's financial state status yeah. i feel like there would have been many other stories about how broke he was right and there really weren't so i feel like that was just a a harebrained rumor floating around um now, you read about this Jesse Smollett business, the guy from Empire. <laughs> have, I, have I read it? I've followed it uh, yeah. to, the, to the last detail. I mean, I had never seen, uh, and still have never seen Empire. I, I heard at least the first season was super entertaining. But um, it's a Fox show. I'm on the Fox lot. You know, I've gotten to hear some different perspectives on this thing. But I thought that the guy was like the 12th lead on the show. And he was getting screwed over because any actor who's not a lead in a show now gets paid nothing. Um, kind of appalling what they'll pay even like kind of big names. So basically this guy was number three. He was after Terrence Howard and uh, Cookie. Who plays Cookie? I have no idea. <laughs> I've never seen the show. I haven't seen it either. But, um, you know, oh, uh, Taraji P. Henson. Con. He was third build, and I guess he thought he deserved that, you know, that super lead, that Terrence Howard money, and that's why he did all this. Like that, shocking to me. Not that I would have understood it more if he was like a twelfth lead who wanted to get bumped up by gaining some notoriety, which is obviously sociopathic and insane. Right. But you'd understand it a little more. Like it's actually a kind of a cool plot for like a a thriller like an actress who like you know fakes some attack on herself so that she can move up the rank it's kind of I, interesting i'd imagine it would have he been was a, up the ranks i would imagine it would have been a good plot on empire for sure a show about the music yes, business the struggle to the top yes yeah um uh i mean this thing is you know it's look it's old news at this point it's so funny i saw michael rapaport i did a, i was on a show with michael rapaport who does stand up i don't know if he always did or if he just started yeah. he's pretty good at it um i always he's, liked him. he's funny but he talked about now, when you two are speaking to each other. Do you have to be eating hoagies? <laughs> we we never spoke. <laughs> oh, okay. I just right. said hi. I'm glad to be on the show with you. Just seemed like your your two voices going at each other. There would need to be a sandwich. I want to be on his podcast so badly, and I want to be his friend so badly. Kanye West just publicly threatened him on TMZ. What did what did rap? Like, why would Kanye West know who Michael Rappaport is? Uh, he was real famous. Yeah, man. he was. You know, he it, was. But I just mean, like, why is he following oh, him because, now? Because you're Kanye West. Michael Rappaport will 
you know, he's a struggling actor at this point. Because he's he's very publicly, he very publicly and constantly shits on the Kardashians. Has his Instagram become like a huge deal? Yeah, he, oh, it's okay. pretty big. And he tells, he tells, and his podcast is really big, and he tells that girl who's embroiled in that cheating thing with the Kardashians, he basically w- publicly was like, take everybody the fuck down. Take that whole fucking family down. Yo, you can't say that. <laughs> and so Kanye went on a thing and it was like, when I see you, Michael Rappaport, it ain't going to be on some shaking hand shit. We're going to have an issue, you know? So it's like, it was a vaguely veiled threat. But anyway, my point is, I don't know how I felt about that voice you just did, Joe. I felt fine about it. <laughs> I'm, you know, I was trying to do a Kanye impression. Uh, uh, it's, 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 it's not. Can we talk about that for a second, uh, Kanye? Was, well, let's not get into it. I was going to talk about when you do a voice. Yeah. If you're doing, here's my take on it, and this is, I, th- well, no, this is my take on it. If you're doing an impression of a guy, a specific guy, right. Then fuck if you like like if you know a guy from India and you're going this is you're doing an impression of that guy you're doing an impression of that person you're not saying this is what Indian people sound like isn't it funny there's a difference isn't there I think there's a there's a there's a difference however if you were doing an impression of a poo from the Simpsons and you're doing that Indian voice there's no difference really. Well, I'm saying if you're genuinely, a, I mean, it pulls a whole other bag. I'm saying if you who does it, but uh, don't open that box. I, I'm not opening today. that box. Uh, speaking of opening boxes, F- folks. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he said on stage, Michael Rapport said he was talking about Michael Cohen, and he goes, "Can you?" And here's what's really funny about Michael Rapport is he's very liberal, but he's also super Brooklyn. Uh-huh. So in the same breath, he'll trash Trump and talk about how much he hates him. And then he'll be like, Michael Cohen, that fucking rat. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's a strange dynamic. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but anyway, he well, was we, like saying how like he's like, can you believe like Jesse Smollett was a week ago? He was like, that's old news now. Yeah. What the fuck is going on in this world? It, it's uh, it's too much for me. I am oversaturated and I've had enough. Now, what you're saying about the voices is interesting. I have a I have a diverse writing staff on the show, but we do uh, table reads all the time of the episodes. Each day at the end of the day, we read the episode, which is extremely helpful for for if you, if you are an aspiring writer on putting the lines into you know sayable things. If we can't say them in the room, the actors aren't going to be able to say them. Helps for that. Also helps you hear what jokes are landing and what aren't, even though it is obviously an impartial jury. Yeah. A partial jury. Excuse me. It's like if you're doing if you if if you're talking. I'm trying to think of like who's got like a, you know, like Theo Vaughn's a buddy of mine. Yeah, very funny comic. Southern as hell. Right. Like when you know. So if I go, I saw Theo, and he's like, he's like, Joe, man, what the fuck happened? You, you know, what well, I mean? Southern is always okay, and there's certain things that are always okay, but I mean, and maybe the, that's fair, maybe that isn't. But, but here's the thing: the Southern thing usually, if you if you did a general Southern impression, right? Yeah. And you talked like that. The insinuation behind that impression has always been they're dumb down there. Sure. Which is fucking insulting to a large group of people. It's insulting, and yet. That impression is fine. No one would ever say stop right. doing that Southern. So my point is, though, is, is like if I'm doing that, impression, I'm not going, this is what Southerners are selling. I'm, going, I'm trying to sound like Theo in the story. I agree. The, I was going to agree with you to some extent while disagreeing with you on some other parts. But basically, when we're doing these table reads, as an example, you know, if we, you know, we have gay people in the room, if one of them is not present, if one of them is not reading the Sid character, it's always this awkward thing of like, do I just do it? But at the end of the day, you're doing an impression of Leslie Jordan. Yeah, it's like, you have to um, Excuse me. You know, we all, that's the most fun impression to do. Yeah. But you are impersonating a gay man. And we all kind of wrestle with that a little bit because it feels weird. I just think, like if you're doing David Allen Greer, it's like, well, you know, what's the line? I, you want to sell the character, but... You know, we, it, it's well, something that I think writers' rooms struggle with as well. We could all judge on an individual basis what the line is. We all yeah. know if you're sitting across from somebody at a table read, if you're doing your best David Allen Greer versus this guy is doing like a fucking Amos and sure, Andy voice. Sure, right now. but I think at this time people are very scared about 
accidentally I, yeah. crossing a line, which no one no one would want to do. And it's something we nervously joke about in the room because it's meanwhile, always a strange. Meanwhile, though, hijack, it's a black thing. You wouldn't understand and not even bat a fucking eye. Uh, not you guys. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I was like, mean, I don't think we I just mean the, 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 the devil is who I'm I talking hear about. The blue-eyed devil. I hear you. Uh, I got a few for the movie corner. Great. Um, let's head on over. I've, I've got a few myself. Can I start us off? You can. Let me ask you real quick, though. Have you ever seen Conan the Barbarian? I own it on Blu-ray. No, I own it on VHS. Yes, I have seen it. Can we do that? I watched it for the first time yesterday in the in the near future. I'm ready to do it whenever you are. Great. It's a real romp of a film. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Boy, did I have fun watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a scene, man. I, I mean, I if I'm being real, I fucking loved it. Yeah. It's a, and it's, I'm watching Conan the Destroyer tonight. Uh, you're going to be a little disappointed in that. But I, I know that its, much. It's got its moments. Yes. Okay. It's got its moments. Uh, I'm going to start off with a documentary I watched called Not Such a Bad Guy, Conversations with Dabney Coleman. This is a new hour-long documentary. Uh... I'm very intrigued. I watched it on Amazon Prime where it is streaming, and it's just that. A guy sits down with Dabney Coleman yeah. today for like, an, you know, and cuts together the conversations they have over the course of this hour or whatever, or edits it into it down to an hour. And um, it's just a front to back Dabney Coleman talking about his entire career. And it's fucking great. Sounds awesome. He talks about. He talks about uh, the the best part of the doc is when he gets into nine, doing nine to five and Tootsie back to back. Yeah, and being like and being like these two things were, you know, these two things were feminist pieces. These had a voice. These were important films, and I was in both of the goddamn things. You know, <laughs> uh, and he's like so proud to have been a part of these things. That's nice. He's got a really great relationship with Jane Fonda, who put him in both that and on Golden Pond. Yeah, he talks about. The big scene with Jane Fonda and Gold, on Golden Pond, where she's like, "I want to be your friend," to her dad, and then he's like, "You know, that was the reason she wrote that movie was she. It was a way for her to make amends with her father." He starts crying at one point at how beautiful he thought it was. Okay, he talks about how troubled their relationship were was, but in classic old school gentleman form, he goes, "Now let me be clear." I do not say that to disparage Henry Fonda in any way. He uh -huh. was a wonderful man and a hard worker, but they had a complicated relationship. Sure. He's just he's just a guy that doesn't exist anymore. He's in his 80s. He's still Yeah, I got to watch Sharp that. as a tack. Like doesn't miss a beat. That's really my favorite area of Coleman, late 70s early 80s. Yeah, he uh he's he's still with it. He talks about war games. Yeah. Love know? war games. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, you know, I never, I, my guy, I didn't see him as a bad guy. He's a guy doing his damn job. <laughs> he's like, I'll tell you why they didn't like me, because I'm smacking cute little Broderick around. You can't <laughs> smack around a kid that cute. <laughs> All right, I got a enjoyable watch film. Have you seen the documentary that I always consider turning on, but have not watched called like Character? And it's all these character actors, Dabney yes. Coleman being one of them. Uh, I saw the one that had where uh, Jane Joan Cusack was in it a lot. Uh, no, no, it wasn't called the Character girl from the Thing or whatever. The one I saw, yeah, you're the face. Yeah, I, I recognize your face or whatever it's called. Yeah, no, I never saw Character. Okay, uh, I will watch that for sure. I watched. We want to talk about a documentary. Um, I'll match you, Joe, because I saw a picture called Ashby. Uh, Ashby is a documentary newly streaming on Amazon Prime as well. Um, I find Amazon Prime, you know, when they get a new movie, it's something I'm always interested in. Whereas Netflix, I'm like, how many movies does Nicolas Cage make a week? <laughs> Amazon Prime has a terrific selection. And I think that their original content is potentially superior to Netflix, the Netflix original content. I ain't seen much, but I did love uh, Red Oaks, and I liked Transparent for a few seasons. Um, okay, so Ashby is a documentary about the filmmaker Hal Ashby, who died relatively young. Um, 
and was just like a total hippie, basically, like a, a addicted to weed, uh, could only edit his movies stoned out of his gourd, um, and just was so crushed by the Hollywood system that eventually he was just churning out like very average action movies that everybody hated and made no money. And it just killed him that he wasn't making personal movies anymore. And basically he uh, just dropped out of the film business. His last movies were unwatchable, but he did Harold and Maude. He did being there uh, with Peter Sellers. He did coming home, which I fucking love with Jane Fonda and Bruce Dern, which is like it won Oscars and shit. But if you, I think a lot of people have not seen that movie and it's a very good movie. So I enjoyed it as just a a story about a guy on the fringe, a story about a guy who got really fucked over repeatedly by the system, had movies taken away from him because they were like, you're not doing it in a way that we've seen before. And he's like, right. Mm-hmm. In the past, when I've done it differently, these things have been huge successes. So why would you not trust me? Right. Uh, then this the weed use that got him so sort of creatively tapped in that he made this last detail with Jack Nicholson and Randy Quaid, another fantastic movie that he, he directed. Um, he would get on, get on this like wavelength that people weren't on and make these amazing projects. Mm-hmm. But then once they turned on him, they always, when they wanted to get the film back, they would say, well, he's a drug addict because he smoked all this weed right. that made him so creatively gifted in the first place. Uh, they'd use it against him, steal his movies away. And just, it was Jesus. kind of a heartbreaking story. But they talked to a lot of big people, Alexander Payne, uh, Judd Apatow, you know, a bunch of key comedy figures of the day, and people who knew him back then. Great documentary. Well, I know when I think key comedy figures, I think Alexander Payne. <laughs> Look, man, he made a couple great fuck. He made a couple masterpieces. He did. About I, Schmidt, yeah. Election Sideways. That's three masterpieces. Sorry. I agree with that. I agree with that. What was his last? Oh, let's not get into it. All right. Uh I, I'm staying on the documentary tip. Filmage, a uh, movie about the Descendants and all. Uh, if you're a fan of the Descendants or if you're a fan of the all. The Alexander Payne movie? No. The oh. band, which I, I, if I was the band, I would have sued Alexander <laughs> Payne for na- naming that movie anything. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I hate that movie. Anyway, uh, the Dece- if you're a fan I of the I hated that movie, the, too, by the way. The band, the, the, the band of Descendants, or the band All, or both. You need to see this movie. It's a, it's an amazing, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a great capturing of their story, and what it's like to be a band that you know kind of never says die. And the drummer from the Descendants, um, um, oh, what the fuck's his name? Stevens, Bill Stevens, I think. I, I'm blanking on his name, but anyway. Uh, he's sort of the linchpin of the entire thing, and they talk about how he was the guy that kind of kept the band going, and they interview all kinds of reputable musicians from Dave Grohl to people from the punk scene to whoever, and they just get into like what the Descendants meant to people, what their take on Milo, the singer, leaving the Descendants was, and the Descendants becoming all with a new singer and changing the sound a bit, and then all never really taking off. Dave Grohl has a great quote where he goes, trust me, I know, it's really, really hard to be in a famous band, a popular band, and then go try to start another band. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's very scary, and you don't know what's going to happen. And Now, of course, it all worked out perfectly for Dave Grohl. But yeah, it <laughs> seemed like it worked out great. <laughs> but but uh, the pa- the wait, he, went, he went from Descendants to what? Who? Who are you talking about? The, 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 band, the, the band The Descendants, when their singer Milo left to become like a bioengineer or something after they had done like five albums. Oh, I thought he had gone on to do another band. I, I, no, I, he I was le- making the Grohl connection. He literally left to go be like a scientist. Okay. Because he t- took, that was a huge part of his life. And they wanted to keep playing music, so they knew, they re, they renamed the band All and hired a new singer gotcha. and started writing different music under the name All. And it was always sort of the Descendants with a different singer, but it wasn't really, and All really struggled to find their place in things. It's, you know, at times it's very heartbreaking, and at times it's extremely uplifting, And but overall it's a really cool positive story about following your dream and i like that they get into like the financial stuff and 
you know, how like, you know, you, you, you see these bands that have 10 fucking records in the slot at Amoeba. Right. And, you know, and, and get staff picked and, and you know, and, and, and get a lot of FaceTime, whatever, in different record stores you go to throughout your, you've been through throughout your life. And then you realize like, oh no, they're just like me. They're like almost paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. It, the grass is not always greener. So it's, yeah, it's weird too, because like, I don't know the descendants. Hardcore punk is not my, I, I, well, I wouldn't. They're not. They're not really hardcore. They're, they're, they're not. They're, they're considered not. sort of the prototype for pop punk. Yeah, Blink One Eighty Two, whatever. Yeah. I, I just that scene. You know, I don't like. Uh, I like melodic punk, pop punk. I don't go. You know, all the way over to like newfound glory and shit like that. Um, but it's a genre I liked for a while, especially in college. I own Milo Goes to College just because I know that's an album you're supposed to own, mm-hmm. and I don't know really anything about the Descendants or the scene. So that should tell you these guys should be rich, but due to I guess getting screwed over by the labels or something. But no, everyone not, has, you know, anyone with even a passing interest in it's not eighties punk has that album. It's not screwed over. It's just the reality of this is what you made when you put a record out, right? Independently in the and 80s. now it's way less. Yeah, it's like it's disturbing just disturbing as hell. It's just what that scene was, and yeah. and they sort of got to cash in a little bit on like the, now here's the thing i think they're reaping the benefits now because all they not all they play but most of what they play now are you know like warp tour and shit like right that. so they do these big fucking festivals jam-packed with kids who are dying to see them so i feel like now they're probably finally getting some of that coin yeah um i had a very erotic day at a, at a warp tour when i was in college erotic i, I did i went on a, as what like a date do? it was very erotic you hook up with uh you hook up with the drummer from a perfect circle (laughs) uh like that no i like a perfect circle they wouldn't be at the warp tour i couldn't they were the closest band i could think of off the top and it's a funny title it's a funny name for a joke yeah i never really got into tool but that first perfect circle album i thought was kind of cool i guess i hated perfect circle because it sounded like lesser tool to me i get but i was never hugely into tool either no me neither and i i think that guy dodged uh pretty serious sexual abuse allegations last year and i never heard anything about them beyond the initial whispers our buddy Pinkstone said sorry Maynard i just James got keenan distracted by the fucking yeah i mean the rhythm's gonna get you now do you think let me sidetrack do you think i'm out of line if i text him and i just go hey buddy no worries could you just turn the bass down listen to that yeah i mean do what you want I get this. This stresses me out, dude. Do what you want. You uh, might just be hearing bass because you live above a guy listening to loud music. Like, but if you turn the bass down, I feel like uh, that's all I'm hearing. This isn't distracting me, and I'm distracted very easily. That's not bothering you. No. That <laughs> no, it just kind of okay. fades into the background. All right, fine, fair enough. I'm not going to text him. Um, what was I saying? Oh, our friend James Pinkston. Yes, not James Keenan. Uh, yeah, he, I remember when that last Tool record came out, I go, I go, uh, did you get the new, uh, Tool? And he goes, no. And I go, why? And he goes, he goes, I can only listen to so many two minute fading in ambient bass intros. Yeah. He's like, I'm just done, dude. I can't do this anymore. And I was like, yeah, that, that's a very fair point, dude. But that one was kind of cool. I know the pieces fit. That one was kind of cool. Uh, but I was never a fan stink fist i was always like come on guys class it up yeah you don't don't gotta call a song stink fist we we know you're dark i didn't i didn't mind that okay i kind of like it was it was it's uh it's some nice lowbrow stuff you know prison rape what was that song called jail sex prison prison sex sex, uh that's an awesome song i uh on the documentary tips or generation wealth is the new film by uh, Lauren Greenfield, who is a photographer who became a documentarian. Um, I thought it was great. This was also on Amazon Prime, and it is kind of a visual history, you might say, of how we became completely obsessed with wealth, fame, looks, um, and just really exposes the shallow, shallow underbelly of 
society today. It's depressing as hell. I bet it is. Um, she did. What was that movie about the woman who kept building bigger and bigger houses? Remember that she like eventually like drove her family about into the bankruptcy. Gun lady. No, she was insanely rich. Um, and just kept building and building and building. I'm gonna look it up. No idea. Will William Randolph Hearst? I think you mean. No. Well, th- this once it comes up, IMDb taking several hours to load. I will tell you that it was called The Queen of Versailles. Oh, yeah. I remember that movie. I never saw it, though. Fantastic documentary as well about five years back about the uh, same thing, obsession with wealth. So this movie uh, was good enough to get me to buy her latest photography book, Generation Wealth, which I've been enjoying the hell out of. And it's a if you need like a uh, an unusual coffee table book that, you know, will serve the purpose of those books as they're supposed to be as a conversation starter. Pick it up. It's like 40 bucks for this big, thick, beautiful uh, photo album. And it's like, art, you know, really great artistic photos. You know what I just decided? I'm in the market for a coffee table. I want a coffee table. I think you should have a coffee table. I'm going to get rid of this ottoman and I'm just going to have a coffee table. All right. Maybe get this book. I hate this ottoman. It's comfortable, but yeah, it's not exactly uh, striking. I'm tired of it. Get a nice coffee table. I might table. get one today. I'm going to tell you where you should go. Actually, yeah. if I remember, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it as, a, as an advertisement for them because they're great. Great, cheap furniture. I'm going to have to look them up because I forget their name. Uh, but Generation Wealth, I recommend. It is funny. It's dark as hell. It is... Uh, weird it's interesting it's got a lot of jarring nudity that pops up in it i couldn't recommend it more highly all right and and weirdly not well reviewed um because i think everyone loved queen of versailles so much and thought this was like a more scattered and it is it's not about one person it's about a problem with society so yeah it's a little less focused um but that didn't bother me in the slightest I, i really dug it all right check it out and, and I remember the name of that furniture place. If you're in Los Angeles, it's called Nadeau. N A D. Where is it? E U N A D E A U. Where There's is it? Two. The one I used to go to was in West Hollywood. But I got this amazing old wooden desk. I got like some really great pieces of furniture, and they're like two hundred dollars, and they're actual antiques. Are we going to be anywhere near it today? When we go to Amoeba? No, we. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to split up from you if you want to go on to this I furniture place. I thought maybe place. you and I could go together. Okay, we could maybe do and that. And then I could use your car to get my coffee table home. Oh, well, so you want to use me for my vehicle. I want to use you for your body. <laughs> the coffee um, table's a bonus. No, I can do an amoeba and then I'm done today. I got I got shit to do. Oh, well, excuse me, sorry. fucko. Sorry. Uh, anyway, So that's my second. What's your third pick, Joe? Uh, I'll be... You knows... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quick with my third one. Another Ugh. punk documentary, The Decline of Western Civilization. I had never seen the first oh, one. great one. I own all three. I'd only seen the second one. The second one is the masterpiece of the three. We watched the second one religiously when I played in bands in Philly. We would go to the, the house we called The Cat Box, where a lot of my musician friends lived together, and we would do shows there and stuff. But we would get real stoned and watched The Decline of Western Civilization Part Two and laugh our asses off. Uh, Part one is not funny at all. Uh, It's more about the true, tried and true punk scene of the early 80s. Uh, It's pretty good. It gets in there. I liked it a lot. Uh, And it's funny to see how much that scene has changed over the years. Not to down, I'm I'm not knocking it for what it is now, but I mean, it was pretty fucking grimy back then. And it's fun to see the footage of that. Uh, It's fun to see some bands that you still know are out there today in their early stages like X. Love X. Just saw them at Christmas time. Um and it was a cool way for me to find some new music of bands that I hadn't heard of, you Those know. Those first four X albums are fucking masterpieces. But uh you know Black Flags in it and it's it's fun, man. I really liked it. So uh uh and and the drummer from The Descendants was also the drummer in Black Flag for a little while. So there you go. Everything connects. Uh, watch this movie if you're a fan of punk. Even if you're just a fan of music and music history and you just want to learn about, you know, a, a time period, uh, an era that took place. It's 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 worth a watch. 
And I'm going to get us off documentaries for my last one. Talk about a very underrated comedy that too few people know called The Wrong Guy. Starring and written by, co-written by, Dave Foley of The Kids in the Hall and also News Radio fame. Co-written by Jake Hogan of some of the best Simpsons ever. And David Higgins, who is just the big, fat, bearded guy from, like, Ellen, the Ellen show. Like, you know him. You've seen him in sitcoms and stuff. Yeah, I know who he is. They wrote it. Uh, the three of them act in it. This thing is, like, kind of like a live-action Simpsons episode. Um, my buddy Rob Wisman, on a great follow on Twitter, recommended it the other day. And I was like, I own that movie, and I've never seen it. I dusted it off. And holy shit, there's some funny bits in this. The most famous bit in it is almost like a usual suspects type spoof bit where she goes, what's your name? And he like looks around and, you know, sees like Phillips, right? you know, uh, toothbrushes. And so he goes, uh, Phillips. And she goes, okay, what's your last name? And then he looks up at the shelf and it's Enema Bag. And he goes, uh, Enema Bag Jones. Enema Bag Jones, my name. Whatever. So... This has been this famous bit I've heard about for years, and I feel like the filmmaker, David Steinberg, who does a lot of Curb. I, feel uh, like, I he, like David Steinberg. Me too. I feel like he botched the bit. It it cuts to... Uh, anyway, it, I think it cuts to it too quickly, and it also includes another name in the shot. So unless you're thinking he's going to pick the other name, I feel like they botched this like simple classic bit, but so many people cited it as their favorite scene of the movie. I would say... Maybe that's the joke, is that he's too dumb that he doesn't even use the but, other name. But if the other name had been Mark or something, I'd get it. But it was like another... His, he would have made his name like Phillips Jenkins or something. It didn't make I, sense. I'm saying maybe that's the joke, that he's so bad he can't take the obvious hint of Phillips. I guess. And he panics and goes, enema bag. Something about the way it was shot didn't work for me. I All guess right. the way it had been described to me over the years was funnier than when I saw it. Which can happen. I've never heard of the film. I've never seen it. I will check it out. There are no less than 30 laugh out loud jokes. That is a hugely successful comedy. Absolutely. Dave Foley is unhinged in this movie. I have never seen him like this. Even in all all his years on those shows, he was always so mild mannered. But the first 10 minutes of this thing, he has this bit where he's screaming in his office that is incredible. Then he does a bit where he's sobbing in his office. That is incredible. Then he ru- he just like runs around screaming for 15 minutes, and it's funny the entire time. All right. He's great in it. There's some great weird shit in it. It's very surreal. Uh, it felt kind of like those you know early Sandler movies where it's smart, stupid, which is a genre that is just never even attempted anymore. But uh, I think because people are too worried about being viewed as stupid. So everybody's comedy is I'm smarter than you. I'm so smart. But mm-hmm. nobody's doing what I think is harder and so much funnier, which is the smart dumb. That's my favorite kind of comedy. Right. Right. I got you. Um, okay. Fair That's enough. what this is. Check it out. A uh, little screaming in before we get into the Oscars. Emily Florence will be. One of the only people I know, happy to hear this, I can't remember where I read this, if it was on uh, Bloody Disgusting or Movie Web or what, but this is the uh, headline, and the, they had the audacity to write this with excitement, whoever wrote it, an even longer three-hour ultimate cut of Clive Barker's Nightbreed is being put together. Yeah, I saw that. Does anybody fucking need this does anybody need this there must have been an audience for the last one when it came out because they wouldn't be making it otherwise oh my god man this thing is like still never seen it it's terrible it dude it's like watching like a bad robert altman movie except with monsters okay it's just monsters talking to each other for <laughs> for hours uh-huh god damn it this movie sucks uh, did you also see that their Shutter, of course we love Shutter, is doing a Critters television show? Yes. Is it a show or a new movie? Shutter is doing a TV show. Sci-Fi is doing a new movie. Okay. Um, I believe I've seen Critters one. I have not seen the others. 
Uh, Critters is fun. I, I'd be more curious to see the new movie over the TV show. I don't know that I need, you know, 10 episodes of Critters. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, I, I own the four pack and I enjoy the films. They're fun. All right. They're fun, like sort of monster B movie fun. You Which know? one is DiCaprio in? Uh, Christ, I don't even remember. He's in one of the critters. He must be in like the fourth one. And I didn't even realize. Um, but, uh, but Do you yeah. remember a movie called Munchie? It was voiced by Dom DeLuise. It was like this little sort of troll thing. I bet. Yeah, I don't, I, I barely, yeah. Terrified me when I was a kid. It was supposed to be a child's comedy. It terrified you? Horrified me. Well, you were also scared of little monsters. I was scared of little monsters. It's the, the craziest thing I've ever heard. Sorry. <laughs> I was very sheltered. Sheltered. Uh, let's get into this Oscars recap. Um. I mean, look, let's start with the elephant in the room. I, I want to address the Green Book thing right off the bat. Have, Here's you, what, have you seen it? I haven't. Joe, don't you don't you feel you should have seen it before uh, launching into whatever you're about to launch I'm into? I'm not criticizing that it won Best Picture. Okay. So, no, it doesn't. I, I don't want to watch it. Dude, it looks like a made-for-TV. It looks like a bad movie to me. It uh, is, it's, it's very in the Driving Miss Daisy 90s mode, which I got to tell you, I still enjoy Driving Miss Daisy, and I don't... They, they are the only way you can get more than half the country to have any sort of discussion about race is through a movie like this. Is that fucked up? Yes. Is that cool? No. Are the movies themselves entertaining? Sometimes. Um, you know, I, I, I do I, I feel either should have won Best Picture? No. Driving Miss Daisy should not have won in a year where Do the Right Thing was nominated. That's insane. Uh, all right, fair enough. I do not understand. Look, it's not the first time the Academy wasn't has, nominated to do the right thing. Though. Has given best picture to something that I may or may not think sucks, right? Yeah. Uh, but the point, that's not my point. I'm not worried about that. My thing is, is I do not understand where we're at mentally right now where we are praising and celebrating and loving the fact that the actor in green book one best supporting actor and stars in true detective and is doing all this cool stuff and is being recognized as a black actor in hollywood and right. being rewarded for it and then we're also furious that green book won best picture uh, it's very confusing to me especially when you've got I completely agree people I, like i don't o understand that at all octavia spencer's in it and it's like people are going this movie shouldn't have won. it's like well but what about the black people that were involved with it Right. And my my opinion is this. And I forget the actor's name, I apologize. But that guy that guy wins best supporting actor and then Green Book doesn't win best picture. That guy's just another Marissa Tomei at that point. It's like yeah, that or, or a Halle Berry or a whoever where they win best supporting actor for something that where the picture doesn't get recognized. To me, strategically on the Academy's part, this this is conspiracy theory, but it may, but I think it, it's very possible. The Academy probably said, you know what? If we give Green Book best picture and this guy best actor, another dude gets to gets to make some real moves in this business because it doesn't get lost in the shuffle at that point that he won for this. You know what I mean? There's more of a discussion about no, now, the movie. Now you're, now you're losing me. I, I don't feel the Academy Awards just goes, let's pick whoever we want to win so it will you look good. You don't think there's... Because I think they were well aware of the controversy surrounding Green Book going in a, into this thing. In a business, in a business, and you know this is true, in a business riddled with awards being based completely on campaigning, strategy, right. power plays, tr trade-offs, whatever you want to call it, you don't think that that's possible? It's that possible. there was some sort of strategy behind if we can get best picture for this and best supporting actor for him, then this guy gets to has a better chance of being another Denzel. I just think they actually count the fucking votes at, at the Oscars. Call me old fashioned. Call me too. Oh trusting. no no no! I do think they count the votes. I yes. think that could have been a motivation behind oh, the votes. Okay. That's what I'm right. saying. But I do think everyone in Hollywood knew that Green Book was a very controversial film going into the voting. But I just think that. With most of the voting bodies still, even though they've updated it and upgraded it, is going to be old white people. That's going to be most of the Oscar voters. And that this movie is catnip to them because it lets them 
feel good about, hey, these movies are actually generally teaching the message that even a racist and a black person can get along. And while that is good, I guess, it's also like not great that you're the racist, you know? They don't cure you from that. But that's the reason these have a wider appeal because so many are racist. They see themselves in these characters and say, yes, I'm nice to the black guy at the hardware store. I'm just like this guy in Green Book. And it, it does make people who are doing the absolute bare minimum of tolerance sort of feel better about themselves. I think that's what's a little gross about these movies. I, but they're not yeah. going away, and people love them. I, and I enjoyed this movie, watching it with my dad. I agree with that. I, I do not think the... And I also... And you know, and I've complained about it left and right, and they talk about it in horror noir, which is wonderful. But they talk about the character of the magical Negro that teaches yeah. the befuddled white man, you know, the the, the mystical ways or whatever. So yes. I do think that Green Book could be interpreted as maybe having an element of that. Like, Well, it's that, and it's also the white savior stereotype, which is... Matthew McConaughey comes in and saves all the slaves. Right. Um, you know, that, that's not a great way to tell that story either. So I get both. I get both. I get I get con- I get the con- I get the oh some controversy and I get some of the criticism. <laughs> what I don't get is I think it's by the way, I love, you know, I love Black Klansman. Boy, do I love Black Klansman. I thought it should have gotten best picture without even seeing the other pictures or, or not all of them. At least I loved that movie so much. I think it is ridiculous. Ridiculous that Spike Lee stomped out of the theater, attempted to, and then was told he had to return to his seat. And then like a child having a tantrum had to return to his fucking seat. I think it's ridiculous. Spike, well, he is you're said- participating, you're there. If you, you know, if if the why do you want the fucking thing so bad if it's so fucked up and it's and it's all bullshit? Well, he has said he wouldn't have stomped out if Roma had won, if other movies had won. There was something about the Green Book that that bothered him too much. I I, I think it's I think it it's silly. I think it's a tantrum, and I think I think it's. I, I, I admire anyone doing something like that because otherwise this would have been on a night notorious for being boring, one of the most boring Oscars of all time. Isn't it just more interesting to not go to the Oscars and then win the Oscar and not even be there? Like fuck you. That's yeah. that's interesting to me. Well, I don't you know. know? It, it gave the thing a pulse, I guess. Uh, and Spike Lee's good at that. He's a provocateur. That's why we love him. I guess. Uh, and I, I'm going to double down on something here with the Green Book thing, because I got a lot of sh- I, not a lot, but I got a little bit of shit from people for for our our discussion we had about saying a word a racial slur in context. And if you're saying it in because of the because of the um, what's his face? Who was the actor? Vijo Morton. Because Vijo Morton. You know what, guys? Or Vigo. I don't know. I'll say this to anybody, and I'll stand by it. If you think it's never okay to say any sort of offensive word in context, if you think context doesn't apply, then it can never be said in a movie. Then you can't say it in Black Klansmen playing the Klan member. That's context. That's what context means. It means what are the parameters around how the word is being used. You don't watch Black Klansmen and go, it's terrible that the Klansmen are using the N-word in this movie. So the Vigo Mortison is not the same kind of context, but it's the context argument. I think it is fucking insane that we are losing sight of that. That's all I want to say. That's it. All right. Anyway, the uh, you, got, uh, you got anything? No. About the Oscars? Or no? I didn't know if you were going to add to the context thing. Oh, I no. know you don't really agree with me, but it's it. But that's okay. We can disagree. No, I do think you have to make things historically accurate. But sure, you know. Um, so then, but then when you're when a guy's having a discussion, would I ever feel like? No, I feel like context-wise, I'm in the clear to say it right now. I'll never have that feeling. No, no, no. no. I don't feel that way either. Yes. Which is why I didn't say it. Right. But my point is, is I think we can all take a breath and go, a guy that's not even from here trying to discuss historical accuracy in a movie and using the word in that moment is not a guy being racist. It, it's just like... I agree. You know. I agree. Although you do wonder why somebody doesn't have that filter to say... I'm not going to say that here. I think not being from this country has got a lot to do with it. Perhaps it does. You know, it's I I, I really do, but uh, I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's it's an unwinnable debate. It's it'll never. 
we're all, all going to have different opinions. I just wanted to say that. Now, um, I'll bring up something that's not going to be controversial at all. And it's something we've suspected for several years. Rami Malek is completely fucking insane. Yeah, he's nuts. If you saw him backstage with the champagne, dead-eyed, blasting reporters with a bottle of champagne and shaking it all over the place, looking like fucking American psycho. Yeah, he's nuts. I mean, he's gonna he's going to kill someone. He fell he's off the stage. He's fucking insane. He, he fell, fell off the stage. I saw that stage. as well. That that was the second craziest thing he did. Then he's released this video online where he's like, "I like." Oh my god! Wearing the clothes I like to wear. No, he goes. I'm I a like f- dressing up for a fan. I'm like, what? He starts every sentence with "I'm a fan of." He I'm goes, "I'm a fan of." Yeah, like he's Bull Durham. Sharp, right? Regardless of the occasion. Yeah, I'm a fan of foreign cultures. <laughs> I'm a fan of Granny's chocolate chip cookies. Uh oh! This just in. Text from Vince Averill. You still at the improv? Because I was at the improv last night. But uh, our old boy Vince might be sniffing around for a little fun today. Um, and, I've always enjoyed fun. Yeah. I Remember when we said we were going to... Ha- I'm not saying you got a drink, but I'm saying remember we said we were going to hang out today and now you're going, I got an amoeba and I got to go home. I, I could maybe hang a little bit. You know? I just can't do a, a an eight-hour... We don't spend any goddamn time together anymore. <laughs> but I'm going to be off soon. I'll have whole days. And we need to line some up. We need to do like a nice summer day and record four of these. Just, Shove it up Just your joylessly ass. bang them out. <laughs> That's uh, how you refer to your women, correct? Yes, I do. You joylessly bang them out. Uh, they awarded wh- Rami Malek. Everyone jumps to their feet. Standing ovation for him. This guy pretending he has no clue about Brian Singer in a movie that everyone also finds highly controversial. It's like... It doesn't matter. Just we'll give you a standing ovation. Then by the time we've sat down, we'll be talking about how much we vehemently disagree with everything you stand for. And it's the grossest business in the history of time. I'm just so sick of these fucking people. Let me tell you something about enlightened people. Okay. Okay. All right. Because that's who these people... I'm using heavy quotes around enlightened. Because that's who these people pretend to be. This trash that fills up the the audience at an event like this. They pretend to be progressive, yet all they ever do when they disagree with somebody is shame them and try to ruin them. You know what? You know who doesn't do that? Actual progressives. Martin Luther King didn't shame people. Jesus didn't shame people. Monks, enlightened monks, don't shame people. They say to people that they feel are in the dark, I want to teach you to get you out of the dark. I've gone on a beautiful spiritual journey. I've grown. I want you to experience that. Come out of the dark and come into the light with me. These people don't say that because they've had no spiritual journey. They say what they need to say to keep their fucking bank account in the goddamn black. That's all it is. I am so fucking tired of it. I am so fucking tired of these hypocrites getting away with this, walking around going, I get it, I get it. It's like, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that you're exactly woke to the latest controversy? Isn't that incredible that everybody just happens to have their finger on the exact wokeness of like the John Wayne video that just came out or whatever the fuck it is? The latest thing. You're just on top of it. You've already gone through this journey. You get it. Yet you're not teaching anybody how to see it your way. You're just yelling at people and saying canceled. I, I hate it. I hate these fucking people. I hate them. They're hypocritical bastards. Joe, I didn't hear much. I disagreed with them. <laughs> and I really thought I was going to. Usually when you reach that level of anger, I'm like, oh, okay. Joe's lost his mind. Yeah. I'm polishing a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not right. another thing. I'm discreetly <laughs> dialing nine and one and we're just waiting for the cue to hit the other one. Joe, just put down the knife sharpener as you talk about this. Uh, one no, of those old school a, knife sharpeners, too, like on the leather belt. Yeah. Just scraping it back and forth. It's a disgusting, two-faced, hypocritical business. Um, You know, just, just people will just stab you in the best. People will stab you in the front and just walk away from it you know it's a it's a sick sick business it's a sick society and the entertainment business is it turned up all the way it's yeah it's it's, it's on, like a, a reality show it's like every day you're living in a a form of a reality show it's on tilt it's full tilt 
And the last thing about the Oscars, real quick, before we wrap up here. So Spielberg now is launching a campaign. Steven? Steven, yes. Uh Yeah. Barry Spielberg, (laughs) the grip, is launching a campaign. No, Steven Spielberg is launching a campaign against where he's, I guess, assembling other directors. And he's launching a campaign against Netflix so so that they are barred from the Oscars, that streaming services don't count. Now, this story pisses me off. This is one of these things where I don't even know where I fall because I'm mad at everybody. First of all, MovieWeb runs this fucking article. And I don't know when I'm going to learn my lesson and stop going. To, I got to find a new movie website because MovieWeb pisses me off and I'm addicted to it. Uh, MovieWeb's headline is Spielberg, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, lashes out against Netflix involvement in the Oscars, faces backlash. Okay. I read what he's doing, which is what I just explained. I scroll down to see backlash. One director, <laughs> the director of Selma, one director said, I don't agree with this and I disagree. Right. That It, it, it was such a fucking bait and switch headline. I was so fucking angry. It's all uh, they do. It's all they do. They, after the dust settled on this story this weekend, everybody was like, oh, so this wasn't a story at all. The Twitter all weekend was, let's flush this old son of a bitch out of the business. Sorry, Steve, the world's changing. Then it's like, no, stop. He he didn't say that. Yeah. Um. Here's what he's saying. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, sorry. I, I screamed that a, an old legendary director should die yesterday <laughs> because he had an opinion about something. It's insane. Um. You know, I got a little annoyed with Spielberg. Twitter's too. darker by the day, man. That's that, I can't. I don't know how you're still on it. That's. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know how you're still. I'm on it. it way less than I've ever been. But I, you check in just to watch people just go nuts, just eat themselves alive all day. Here's the thing I don't understand with Spielberg. Why does he give a shit? Why does he have a dog in this race? The man is 75 years old. He very well could be the devil with the amount of success he's seen in this business. Right. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was the actual devil. Uh, you don't stay relevant for that long easily. That is tough work. He can do any fucking thing he wants. He's got his awards. He's got his recognition. I'm not quite sure why he cares so much. I don't. Under- I admire that he still cares that much. Well, that's Personal. a good point. That's a good point. I don't know if I feel that Netflix should be barred from the Oscars, and I'm not a Netflix fan. Yeah, you know, but I gotta say, it's like, you know, what bothers there, me. There should have at least been a discussion about it before. It's like, yeah, fine, welcome aboard. Well, it did play in theaters, did it not? Yeah, but he's he's saying that they should play three weeks in theaters or something like that. Which okay, fair enough. I mean, look, here's the problem now, people, and nobody's gonna fucking jump on board, and. I I, I I guess I'm sort of patting myself on the back a little bit. I don't mean to do that. But I said it about fucking Twitter years ago. This thing is going to turn on everybody. You cannot put every waking thought that comes into your head online and document. And sure enough, it's biting everybody in the ass. And I'm saying it fucking now about Netflix. They are trying to monopolize entertainment. They somehow have some fucking limitless amount of money i don't know right. where they get it from to budget things it ain't, it ain't coming from a great place i can almost no. guarantee you of that they are the donald trump of entertainment they lie okay they come out we had terrific numbers we had terrific bird box most most loved movie and then people go well what were, can we see the numbers that that is the most insane part yeah. of all this that they don't have to report they won't yeah they won't and, that, and that's part of spielberg's thing too would you just tell us what you're doing? Because we all have to compete in box office. We have to compete in terms of uh, all this shit. Tell us how many people watch the stupid thing. They don't turn over the documents, just like Trump. Right. Uh, they are trying to be an absolute one-voice power, just like Trump. It's demagogues, bullshit. Everybody bought into that fucking marketing campaign, Netflix and chill. Guys, there are a million other streaming services that aren't trying to they it's a monopoly it's supposed to be illegal you're not supposed to be allowed to do it netflix is trying to monopolize entertainment by buying up every fucking thing they can and they're trying to shut everybody else out and keep paying the extra dollar every six months so they can do it stop stop walk away from this shit 
Why is everybody so fucking dependent on this stuff, dude? It's like Apple. Is it that is, is a world without Apple that terrifying? Well, what they're doing is that the more and more people that do this, and a lot of people I know in, in Missouri and shit have pulled the cord, as they say, um, and they just have Netflix because that's like, okay, well, that's entertainment now. The more that happens, the more they're going to fuck out all other avenues, and I think that's on the way. But they're doing this, and then when you have several people that do this, then the only television shows people are talking about are Netflix shows, which requires then, if you want to see these shows that people are talking about, and Netflix has only had two or three of these, like these true breakouts, a Stranger Things, a House of Cards. Right. But if everybody's talking about it, then everybody has to get it. So as that happens, and as the other options are shut out, then everybody's only talking about the same thing. Everybody's only talking about Bird Box, and that to me is the scariest part of all of this, that everyone just watches one movie that you're told to because the algorithm puts it on the top of your thing. Yeah. Oh, Sandra Bullock's in a Netflix movie I can get for free? Okay, push. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like somebody in an immense position of power telling us what we're supposed to think about things and what the national opinion should be. Sounds fucking familiar. It, it's it's just crazy to me that in these places in day to day life, where keep screaming at Trump. Guess what? He's never gonna listen, ever. You're never gonna get through to him. But everybody wants to scream at him. Meanwhile, in your day-to-day -day life, you've got like a corporation you could tell to go fuck itself by canceling your subscription and not contributing to the problem. And people are just like, no, no, I'm going to keep doing that. It's like you'll scream about Walmart, but not Netflix. Well, not only that, but it's like, LOL, did you all see Glow or whatever, you know, because people support it. People support oh, the hell boy. out of it. Oh, that has Lord. no way of being shut down, just like I think this Trump machine has no way of being shut down. That's why, you know, I, I caught up a little bit on this Cohen thing. I've been busy, but they, the, what's scaring people the most is like you can't turn around what he's done in the short time in office. Like you can't walk it back, and Trump's not going to hand over this presidency peacefully. He's going to blow shit up before he gets out of office. He's yeah. going to make it 100% certain that we are going to have to work years to undo what he has done so him and his friends can keep getting rich. That's some terrifying well, shit. I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. More people cancel their subscriptions. It, it certainly slows their role a little bit in being able to just run shit constantly. I think that is possible. I also think it's possible. I don't to, think you're going to see people cancel those subscriptions. Well, they won't. They, they won't. That's And that's what I'm railing on about here. Yeah. You know. But I mean, you're talking, and just, just so you guys know where this network stands, you're dealing with a network that told Canada, uh, sorry, Bird Box is already, uh, and I've talked about this, Bird Box has already been published to the streaming site. We cannot take it down to remove the fucking train wreck tragedy footage from your country that that we've exploited in our horror movie. Sorry, we can't do that. Meanwhile, the notebook hits Netflix Europe, okay? And it's got a different ending on it because it was they received a different cut. Notebook fans freak out. This is this is blasphemy. Where's the original one? Netflix responds, "Sorry, we got the wrong cut. We didn't even know. We're working on it. We love the notebook." <laughs> they actually showed more respect uh -huh. To the fans of the fucking notebook than they did to people that died in a train wreck in Canada. Okay? That's what you're fucking dealing with. Be a part of it. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. I got to Let go. me ask you this, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You mentioned being very excited about I Hear You Paint Houses, don't you? The Irishman. I'm hugely excited about it. You're not going to watch that movie? I'm 100% going to watch it, but I'm going to go to a theater and watch it. Just it's still Netflix. Well, I also think it's Scorsese, De Niro, a bunch of people that I love and respect that I'm that I can say I'm supporting these people. With, look, I'm not an I'm not a fucking lunatic. I'll I'm say looking this. over my sunglasses at Joe right now. I'll say this much: I'm not a lunatic. I never was a person that said, "Oh, Uber gave to Trump." Uh, never use them under any circumstance ever. I said, "All right, if you want to try to not use Uber, I get it." But to say to think that any part of your life does not have some corporate interference is, is crazy. And I know that that counts. And I know that I can't, I can't fucking avoid these. What am I supposed to do? Never watch a thing ever again? I, I, you know, I, don't, I cancel my subscription. I'll see that in the theater. 
I'm going to have to miss fucking Stranger Things 3 when it comes out. You know? Like, but, you know. I don't know. So maybe, maybe I'm full of shit for going to a theater to see that. I don't know. To me, that seems okay. But... I go to a theater. I mean, the movie is put out by Netflix. I'm just saying, where where's the line? And the line is not possible to draw. We're surrounded by this shit all day, every day. Uh, so maybe, Folks, yeah. I hope we cheered you up this week. <laughs> I hope we made you laugh, made you smile. Let's get over to that amoeba. Trade some stuff. We're going to amoeba. Uh, have a great day. Those of you hearing it on Himalaya, welcome aboard. Please check out the Patreon. Please check out the Hog House page at Etsy for our merch. Thank you, Emily Florence, for beautifully running that. Thank you to all the fans who send in fan art. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, We're getting new people in the Facebook group all the time who heard it from a friend who, heard it from a friend who, heard it from another. Me and Joe been messing around. That's REO Speedwagon, a band my dad once basically claimed to have discovered because he saw them a couple times early in their career. Right. <laughs> you know, essentially pretended he managed them on the on the first three albums. Um, <laughs> folks, Cool Kids, Fridays, Fox. It's also on Hulu. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Joe? Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Uh I'll be in Vegas March 29th and 30th. Bonkers presents comedy at Top Golf. Uh, so come on out for that uh, new story this month in Penthouse, entitled "Menu Change" in the uh, March issue. Uh, and Is that like? Please listen carefully because our menu options have changed. No. Oh. Uh, and then also. Uh, uh, Uninformed is back Bill Burr and myself Patreon.com slash Burr Five bucks a month You get two episodes Thanks folks